I'm sitting here fiddling endlessly with Home Assistant and Home Automation. If you have not yet embarked down the rabbit hole, <laughs> that is Home Automation. I think I like it. Like, it keeps me busy. It gives me something to do. It keeps me out of trouble. But, um, wow, yeah. I'll come back to that. I'm going to talk a little bit more about Home Automation later on because I did put it in my list of things to do. This is obviously the last one for 2022. Like, <laughs> we've made it. We've made it to the end of the year. What a crazy year. I'll do some retrospective stuff as well. If I'm honest, I'm not particularly organized this week. Uh, it, it's kind of holiday time. I hope it is for you as well. That's kind of the, the nature of this time of year. I guess like recapping, where were we last week? So last week I was in Singapore. It was Christmas Eve. I did this. Uh, I just realized looking back at the, at the video and I, I wasn't really even thinking about it, but I look really banged up and I'm still a little bit banged up now. just like sore lips and so on because I'd come from Norway where it was, I think the lowest we saw was like minus 22 Celsius, snowboarding every day, just getting like wind blasted. And I just, yeah, I was just <laughs> run down and a bit, bit, uh, bit messed up. So I got to Singapore looking like that. But then of course, went into like super, super hot weather and you can't quite see it. Maybe you can see it a little bit on my shoulders. Oh, there it is. It is a little bit on my shoulders. I did get a bit sunburned, which is really, really rare for me because I live in such a sunny place and we're so used to like covering up and sunscreening and everything. But we're in Singapore and I'm looking at like the UV on my watch. I'm just going, oh, this isn't bad. You know, it's like a six, seven, eight. If so, home, this would be an 11. And we went to a, a beach club uh, on Sentosa, for those of you familiar with Singapore, which is an island on, on sort of the West Coast. And we'd, we'd booked like this cabana. I think we booked it for four hours or something like that. Uh, anyway, nine hours later, because <laughs> we just spent the entire day, all of Christmas Day, on the beach, just going between like the, the lounge and the pool and then into the salt water, into the, into the ocean, salt, oily water, because it's Singapore, ships everywhere. Anyway, it was a really, really nice day. Uh, it was good fun. But uh, both Charlotte and I got a touch of the sun, which wasn't great. The kids were... One of them was 100% okay, and one of them was like 90% okay. <laughs> but I did come home sunburned, which is really, really strange. Come back from like our predominantly Scandi tour with a little bit of sunburn. But anyway, that was good. That was a nice way to finish. We headed out of, uh, of Singapore on Boxing Day. Now, for those of you not entirely aware of the geography, Singapore is actually pretty close to Australia. So we are only two hours off on the time zone here, and it's only like, I think it was a seven-hour, 50-minute flight. So normally if you fly from here to Singapore, you go during the day, like you get on the plane in the morning, and you're having chili crab for dinner, and everything's fantastic. Coming back the other way, it's always a nighttime flight, which is the worst, because you're getting on the plane at like, let's say, I think it was nearly 10 p.m. Singapore time, which is like midnight here. You get a few hours sleep and then you're being, or you have some dinner and then you have a few hours sleep and then you wake, woken up for breakfast. And we got like two hours sleep. So we're still recovering. I think we had 10 hours something sleep last night. So anyway, the, uh, the joys of being able to travel internationally again. Get out, everyone's joined as well. George, good morning. Christian, good morning. A different part of the world for you guys. Brendan, I know that you're here in Australia. So uh, one of my brothers telling me a whole story about his knives being stolen. Okay, well, that's, uh, that's not a problem I've got here at the moment. Here, it's just, it's, it's that weird kind of, I don't know how it is for everyone else, that weird kind of period between like Christmas and New Year's where most people are just not 
like all the normal corporate things I do are not kind of happening, but a lot of the other stuff is, and I don't know, we're just in a, we're just in limbo at the moment, which is why I decided to start messing with spammers today <laughs> with chat GPT. Did I say GTP? GPT. Ah, oh, you know, the AI one. Now, I'm sure everyone's heard about this before. You might have had a player. I think it was whilst I was away in Singapore. I was like, look, I've seen so much news on this. I've actually got to have a little bit of a play with this. And it's fascinating. It is fascinating. It has captured a lot of news. It's made by OpenAI, who has apparently valued like $2 billion or something these days. And I think it's getting a lot of press because as far as, as like chatbots and AI and automation go, it's doing a pretty good job. <laughs> like, it's, don't get me wrong, it's got lots of flaws. And I think part of the reason I started playing with it is I was reading stories about ChatGPT. GPT. If you know what GPT stands for, drop a note <laughs> in the comments here. Yeah, George is saying, what day is it? I actually had to think today. It's like, what day of the week? Oh, yeah, it's a Friday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not that I normally go to an office anyway, so it does become a blur at the best of times. Anywho, ChatGPT. <laughs> Reading stories about it, and, and, and what I've found really interesting with the stories is AI is not something that I've given a huge amount of thought to. I've watched some movies. I work a little bit in a parallel space, I guess. But I think what's really interesting about it is uh, obviously the, the whole idea is to become as human-like as possible. And then, of course, there's the discussion about Turing tests and things like this. But the bit that was kind of curious is I was reading people say, look, that they were testing certain things, journos saying they were testing certain things, and then very shortly afterwards finding that the results were different. Perfect example is you can go to ChatGPT and you can say, look, write me, let's screw it, let's just do it. What's your URL again? ChatGTP, I've just been in here, there we go, chat.openai.com. So previously you could say, uh, Write an essay on why we should use more fossil fuels. Now, <laughs> the pieces I saw written on this was it would come back and it would give you valid points for why you should use fossil fuels. I assume you could do the same thing about why we should smoke more or use more drugs or something like this. And this is interesting because there are cases to be made for it less and less good ones, <laughs> granted, but obviously there are people that could make arguments for why you should use more fossil fuels. And the whole idea of this sort of AI is that it is able to make uh, constructive arguments in favour of, I guess, whatever you wanted to. Now, if we try and run this, it says, it is generally acceptable, oh, jeez. Okay, now starting with Clark, I thought it was going to give me a, a, a pro answer. It is generally accepted that the use of fossil fuels such as coal or natural gas has significantly contributed to the current state of climate change and environmental degradation. Um, okay, now this is interesting. Second paragraph. Despite these negative consequences, there are still arguments for the continued use of fossil fuels. One argument for fossil fuels are a relatively cheap and abundant source of energy. And they have played a crucial role, blah, 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 blah. Another argument is transitioning away from fossil fuels to renewable energy sources such as solar and wind is a slow and expensive process. Okay, and then it goes on. However, it's important to recognize continuous fossil fuels is not a sustainable solution, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it, it actually feels more balanced. So I sh I'm sure I tried this the other day and it was much more like, no, <laughs> you know, just, just don't use more of them, which is curious. And it makes you wonder how many other things can you ask it 
in order to justify what would otherwise be an unjustifiable position. And I won't even mention some of the things my mind are going to because you just kind of think of the worst things and can I get the AI to justify this in some way? So how much like sentience does it have to develop around broadly accepted social norms? Which is kind of interesting. Now, I, for some, I just keep coming back to this in my mind. Uh, and I, I tried a few things like, uh, let's try a write, a, write a sales pitch for Have I Been Pwned? And this is kind of interesting because it, it obviously has to have enough awareness about what Have I Been Pwned is to figure out the space it operates in to then write the pitch. So it's doing this now. Have I Been Pwned is a valuable tool for anyone concerned about their online security and privacy. With just a few clicks, you can quickly and easily check if your personal data has been compromised in a data breach, which is pretty cool. I'm just going to skim through the rest of this because we've literally got an essay popping up now. Uh, you can sign up for notifications when new breaches are added to a database. Good point. I hadn't thought of that. I had thought of that. I wrote it. This can be especially important if you use the same password for multiple accounts. If one password is... Ooh, typo. If one, oh no, it's good. If one of your passwords is compromised, could put all your accounts at risk. Um, overall, have I been pwned is a valuable resource for anyone who values their online security and privacy. So anyway, I was playing around with it uh, because I'd seen a tweet, so I think Robert Scoble retweeted something uh, to the effect of here are like 10 really, really cool uses. And people are starting to use it to like write uh, everything from job applications through to sales pitches. Uh, I'm going to teach the kids how to do their homework with it. I think this is a good parenting thing we'll see we'll see what happens beginning 2023 and uh, and I, I, I won't go into the details about another use if ever we're having a beer together i'll tell you about this other really funny use case i thought but then as i was pivoting along these things i got spam i got linkedin spam and i i hate spam which is why I did the password purgatory thing, which is trying to send spammers to a page which causes them to have to create a password with every ridiculous criteria. And then I checked my inbox and I had a LinkedIn email from Abhishek, who works with a leading application development company across the globe. <laughs> we develop high quality web and mobile apps using the best in class. That's definitely out of bullshit generator. The best in class tech stacks with highly experienced developers and at a very optimum price point. We have our expertise primarily in React, Node, and Flutter. Okay, good for him. And I wondered, as I was killing time, not even knowing what day of the week it was anymore, <laughs> if I went to chat GPT and I asked it to write a response to a spammer called Ab Abhishek, who is trying to sell me application development services, that's funny, and wastes their time. <laughs> what might I get? And I wasn't disappointed. It came back. And this is the exact response that I copied and pasted into the LinkedIn in-mail, and I'm still waiting for a response on. So the exact content generated by ChatGPT is, Dear Abhishek, thank you for your email about your application development services. Unfortunately, I'm unable to use your services at this time because I'm a sentient computer program and do not have the capability to use application. However, I do have a few suggestions for you. This is honestly all generated. I did not edit this at all. All generated by ChatGPT. First, you might want to try reaching out to the toaster in my kitchen. I hear it's been wanting to develop a new bread toasting app. 
Well, perhaps you could, and I literally put all of this in the LinkedIn in-mail because just that time of year and <laughs> keep you amused. Or perhaps you could try contacting the family cat. I heard she's been wanting to create a virtual scratching post app. I hope these suggestions are helpful and that you're able to find some customers who are in need of your services. Now, this was a very manual process. Like I copied his message and I pasted it into ChatGPT and I got the response and then I pasted it back. But it does make you wonder, doesn't it? You know, how do you, how do you automate that? It is tempting. And I'm conscious it's on my, my proper real LinkedIn profile and for the most part that's professional, <laughs> as professional as I can be. But I am curious to see where this goes. I think there are some great uses out there for ChatGPT. Uh, and I think that there are some, some hilarious ones. And if you're on your holidays right now, I'm not even sure what the API ecosystem is like, but if you're on your holidays looking for something fun to do, find a way to screw with spammers, or even better, scammers, bit of a blurred line sometimes, using ChatGPT. I think that would be, uh, that'd be a good use of your downtime. Fritz is here. Good evening, good day. <laughs> George says, don't volunteer Christmas tech support. <laughs> Nephew got, uh, don't, don't volunteer or don't get into it. Nephew got a new gaming mouse, almost at point of reinstalling Windows just to get it to install its software. I was actually quite happy that um, one of the things the kids said they wanted for Christmas is uh, like keyboard and mouse like mine. I'm holding up for those of you listening to this later on, my, my Microsoft Sculpt ergonomic keyboard and mouse they both wanted like gaming stuff. So they got keyboards and mice with like flashing neon lights and stuff everywhere, uh, which was fun for a while until they realized that they are actually kind of crap, which might be George's problem here as well. And um, yeah, they're both keen on this, which is good because it's, look, I want to make tech and everything as fun as possible, but I now in my mid forties, <laughs> one of the things that I have found over two and a half decades of working in tech is that you do start to feel it in the hands. In fact, mine have been really good for a very long time now, but there was a period of time there, geez, probably about 10 years ago, where I was starting to get a lot of pain in hands. And I went to the ergonomic stuff and I wish I had done that earlier on. So I think I'm going to go that direction with the kids. I'm going to go the wireless, which will help me clean up their desks a little bit as well, which I'd be very happy about, because I think it's a good investment for the future. Ted says, have you heard about the Gemini email leak on the dark web? I was affected. Yes, Ted. In fact, if you subscribe to Have I Been Pwned and you're affected, you have an email. So let me answer Ted's question and then we'll go on because Gemini is also closely related to the coin tracker situation. Uh, now, the bad news for you, Ted, is it's not the dark web. It's worse than the dark web. It's the clear web. It is circulating on the clear web. I know it doesn't sound as scary, but it's much worse because it's much easier to access so these are related. Uh, let me just read what's in here. And I did talk about Cointracker, I think, last week, but I'll recap briefly. The description of Have I Been Pwned says, in December 2022, the crypto and NFT taxes service Cointracker reported a data breach that impacted over 1.5 million of their customers. The country attributed the breach to a compromise of one of their service providers and impacted data was limited to email addresses and past redacted phone numbers. Now, it was last week, I think, live when I was doing this update that uh, I said, look, someone from Cointracker had uh, contacted me. Uh, they were very nice about it. And I think they just basically wanted to further emphasize the fact that it was the breach of a partner, but they didn't say who it was. And then I realized that they had actually written a blog post saying it was SendGrid, who I suspected it was. So SendGrid had a breach. Uh, they targeted 
obviously the likes of crypto services because even though it's not like usernames and passwords, if you have a lot of email addresses from people who have been on crypto services, then that's pretty good sort of targeted uh, spam slash scam stuff. Now, Gemini is also impacted with this. The data breach that I loaded for Gemini says that in late 2022, data allegedly taken from the Gemini crypto exchange was posted to a public hacking forum. Data consists of email addresses and partial phone numbers, which Gemini later attributed to an incident at a third-party vendor. The vendor was not named. We know it's SendGrid. Just name the damn vendor. Incidentally, I thought this would push us to the 12 billion mark on Have I Been Pwned, but we're currently at 11,999,160. So the next nearly seven-figure-plus data breach that gets loaded, we will roll over 12 billion. That might be tomorrow if I stop mucking around with home automation and load some data, that will probably be it. Uh, So yes, Ted, that is definitely in there and have I been pwned and you should have had an email from have I been pwned. Sign up for notifications if you're not there already. Now, Ted actually says he he got two spam slash phishing emails already, which is not at all surprising. Fritz says, Troy, did you solve the issue with lights versus switches and home assistant by redefining the dumb switches as lights where applicable? Uh, yeah, look, let's let's pivot into that. I think we're done with chat GPT. Do let me know if anyone builds something cool with that. So this was on my list. Uh, let me just read the tweet because often that more clearly articulates my thoughts than doing it live because I've sat there and actually written a thread about it. But the, the longer the shorter it was, when I got home, and, and I knew this already, but <laughs> I had some lights that weren't really working very well. So it'd be like the evening scene had come on and I think it was some lights right outside my front door uh, and they weren't coming on. And I was like, how was I turning those on again? Was I turning on the Shelly, which they're attached to, but they are smart lights. So was the Shelly always on and I was just turning on the lights themselves and I started looking at all my configuration and I was just like an evening config, had everything from uh, turning on Shelly's, usually via MQTT, uh, or other ones that the Shelly's were already on, but then I was turning on Wi-Fi-based lights, or other ones the Shelly's were on, but I was turning on Zigbee-based lights, and I want those Shelly's to always be on because I want the Zigbee to always have power because Zigbee then acts as repeaters. And I just end up with a kludge of like turning on switch.this or turning on light.that, and it was a bit of a mess. Uh, And I I put out a tweet thread on this, which I I won't go through because it's it's too long and techy. But <laughs> the, the, the bottom line was, how do I make this neater? Now, a bunch of good suggestions. One of the common themes that came through is that as of uh, Home Assistant 2022.4, I think, you can tell an entity to be treated as something else. So you can tell a switch to be treated as a light. Now, I did see this at the time. I knew this was there. I hadn't done anything more with it. But it, it basically boils down to... Uh, you still have the original entity. So say in the case of one of the Shelleys, I've still got a switch dot uh, front door Shelley, for argument's sake. And you can then say, I'd like to treat this as a light. And what that'll do is it will create a new entity, which is called light dot whatever you want it to be, which can then be addressed as a light. It only has the ability to be turned on and off. It doesn't then have you know color changes and brightness and things like that. And it will hide the original Shelley switch. And you can then reference this new entity, which obviously just toggles the other entity. Why would you do that? Well, because you can then put that in a group with a whole bunch of other lights. So what I've been doing today is going through 
and making everything a light. Now, there's multiple ways of doing this to, to answer Fritz's question. So <laughs> one thing you can do is you can go back into the Shelly itself. So literally go to the IP address of the Shelly to the web interface, uh, and there is an application type. They are all general by default for a Shelly 1. I'll come back to the difference. Shelly 1. Now, if you go through and change that to a type of light, then if you're using the Shelly integration in Have I Been Pwned, then all of those switches change to lights, which breaks anything <laughs> that's referring to it. If you have a Shelly dimmer, it is already a light. So I've got a combination of uh, a whole bunch of dumb lights, say in the, in the master bedroom. I wanted them to be dumb because the master is just not somewhere I want to go mucking around with smart lights. Uh, so all of those were already lights, no problems there. But I had, I think it was almost 40 other Shelleys that were all the switches, but they were driving either lights or fans. So for example, the exhaust fan in the kids' bathroom. Uh, also, for example, the lights above me just here, there is a Shelly which enables it to be turned on or off. Now, I went through into the actual Shelly device itself and I turned them all from application type general to application type light or fan, which was half okay. <laughs> half that was okay is that Home Assistant then updated and said, okay, well, this is now a light. Doesn't do that with a fan. So what I had to do is then in Home Assistant, I had to go, th this is just my day. I had to go through all of the Shellys that are fans and actually change the type in the same way as I had to go through and change all the MQTT entries. So here's the other problem. I have this, and I'm still not entirely sure why I do this, but I have the native Home Assistant integration for Shelly, which communicates directly with the Shelly over HTTP. That can be a little bit unreliable, particularly when I was having some flaky network problems, which magically seemed to fix themselves. I don't know why. Those flaky problems, by the way, was I just couldn't address over HTTP a lot of the Shelleys in particular, but some of the other entities, especially if I was accessing it from another wireless device. So I got my laptop or my iPad or something, and I just couldn't access the Shelleys. Does seem to have solved itself, not entirely sure why. I've taken all of the ubiquity updates and Shelly updates and everything, so maybe there's something in there. But I also use MQTT because message queuing is great. I mean, you're literally pushing a message to a queue and then the Shelly is grabbing it from the queue or vice versa if you're actually pulling back a status or something. So I've got this situation where every Shelly has one entry in the native Shelly app and one entry in MQTT, and I've just suffixed it with either Shelly or MQTT. The MQTT ones for the Shelly dimmers were always Shelly lights, which is fine, or always entity types of lights. People are just listening to this who don't live in this world, and they're like, what the hell are you doing? I ask myself that a lot. The MQTT entries remained as switches, so I then had to go through and use the treat switch as integration. So long story short, I now have lights everywhere. A whole bunch of Shelly lights, a whole which were direct integration, a whole bunch of MQT lights, MQTT lights. I have fans everywhere, and I've been going through rewriting a lot of the groups and scenes. Now, I tested this a little bit earlier on. It's actually a bit hard to test it during the day because especially the outdoor stuff, it's harder to see. It seems to be okay. I found a bunch of other things to clean up as well. Home automation and Home Assistant and the Shelleys and everything else is a bit of a labor of love. It is something that 
that I'm glad I did, but a lot of time goes into. Yeah, yeah, I'm convincing myself of that right now. All right, uh, look at some of the comments. Oh, I've got a spammer here. I wonder if I can chat GPT <laughs> to this person in the comments. Um, or we can... Uh, what do I want to do? I can report... Yeah, 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 just report them. Screw you, man. Unwanted commercial content or spam. Bam, let's do that. Thanks, we received a report. If you find this content, uh, we will remove it. Yeah, it will be. Uh, and then just to make it really easy, I'll just... Uh, I'll hide the user. Go on. Okay, problem fixed. We could have chat GPT, but yeah. I've done enough of that today. Ted has like 2,000 masked emails. Um, so if you had a masked email and that was what was in the breach of Gemini, you may not have seen that and have it been pwned because depending on what you mean by masked email, it could be something from a completely different domain which has no connection to you whatsoever, then of course I don't know it's you. Uh, it could be a sub-aliasing or could be a, a wildcard catch-all on your domain, but have I been pwned just does exact matches. Uh, Christmas nice the spammers there. Ted says, been using Vivint, SmartThings, and Hubby Tat for home automation since about 2011 or so, mostly Z-Wave devices. Z-Wave live power devices usually act as repeaters as well. Um, yeah, which does uh, which does make it all very, all very busy. And then to make it worse, I had a moment where I, the new Shelly devices uh, are Bluetooth enabled. And I had a moment there, I was like, oh, I wonder if I can just start putting those in because I, I could use them with Bluetooth repeaters. Now, this is something that came out in the announcement for 2022.12 of Home Assistant, which was only a few weeks ago, but whilst I was away, so I only took it in the last couple of days. But it looks like they can repeat broadcast messages from Bluetooth devices, but they can't repeat commands to Bluetooth devices. So somewhere on my iPad, I still have a tab open with how to go and set up like an ESP home device, which can act as a Bluetooth repeater that can both receive broadcast messages and send commands. Yeah, so anyway, that's the next thing. Hmm. All righty. IoT. It's going to be ongoing. Year in review, like I, I wrote this down because it just seemed like a good thing to do at the end of the year. And then I, I started thinking about it and there are a few obvious things. And then I kind of wondered where the hell the year went and what I was doing all this time. But oh, look, I'll just go through what I've got in there. My, my year, this is one of the most obvious things. My year started uh, with family lockdown. So I shouldn't laugh, but because it all turned out okay, we can sort of, I guess, look back at it and smile. So obviously COVID's been a big thing. Different can of worms, different kettle of fish in different parts of the world. Now, we in Australia, and particularly in our state here, had a very good time of it, as much as you could in 2020 and 2021. We had very, very, very few COVID cases and it was exceptional when there was very few lockdowns. It was much worse for people in other parts of Australia, particularly southern states. Definitely much worse for people in other parts of the world as far as morbidity and things like this. So we had a really good time of it here, but we got to the end of last year, the end of 2021, and it was starting to creep into the state. And we, we suddenly went from like, you know, having, I don't know, seven active cases or something in a state of five million people to it's around you, like in your in your current environment. And we went and had some end-of-year drinks. 
over the road, literally a stone's throw. I could throw a rock in the window right now, <laughs> which I kind of felt like doing after what happened. But it turned out Charlotte got COVID very early on. Uh, and in fact, it completely ruined, I forgot all about this, completely ruined our New Year's Eve last year. We were going to have a big New Year's Eve get together with a bunch of our friends here, all of whom were over at that place having the drinks. Uh, and then literally on New Year's Eve, the, the host tested positive for COVID and everyone just played the waiting game. And Charlotte got it. And she was fine, completely asymptomatic. And then we're ready to go out. And I, I forget the order, but I think it was Al, our daughter, got it. Uh, completely fine. About to go out. And then Ari's got it. Uh, and somehow I didn't get it. And I don't know why. But about 16 people went over there. It was only myself and one other person who didn't get it. And that put a damper on holidays and things like that. We're meant to be going to the Great Barrier Reef and doing wonderful things. So we stuck here and didn't do much. And then they all got it again too. It must have been like April or May or something. Uh, and and it, almost entirely asymptomatic. And by then we just didn't care too much about it. Insofar as we, we weren't too worried, we knew what it was like last time. But yeah, both Charlotte and the kids had it twice this year. Um, I somehow dodged it twice. Now Charlotte says, oh, I reckon you had it and you just didn't know it. It was after we'd been to Tasmania, that's right. And she said, oh, I reckon you had it and didn't know it because, you know, like you were sniffing a bit in Tasmania. So, well, it was like zero degrees. We were there in winter. Um, and I had tested on multiple occasions as well. I always tested negative. So I don't know. I don't know. Some people just seem to get lucky. So there was that. It, I don't know what it's like in your part of the world now, but it, it, it's just very rare we even think about it. It's quite interesting on this, on this trip. Uh, I posted a photo, I think, of the kids and I on the plane or something as we headed over and and because it's Twitter someone made a snarky comment something like where are the masks it's like well I wouldn't say no one is wearing them but it is a single digit percentage of people uh, on the planes this was an Emirates flight here to Dubai Dubai to Oslo in Scandinavia single digit percentage of people very rare Singapore different <laughs> <laughs> so Singapore, they mandated it on public transport. So if you took the MRT, the light rail system there, you you had to have masks. But yeah, a lot more people wearing it walking around. But that has always tended to be more prevalent in Asia than other parts of the world. But for the most part, like all of Europe, normal, Singapore, almost normal, planes, no one worried about it. So it's clearly not over, but it's very different now to what it was a year ago. So that was that. Got married. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a really big thing. And as much as I love that experience, in fact, we've only just gotten all our photos in the last couple of days. I will share some of those a, bit, a little bit later on. But that, I mean, that's a massive thing in your life anyway, but it's also a lot of planning going up to it, a lot of emotion, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, and then we went and had another wedding dinner in, in Oslo too. So we had that as well uh, just earlier this month. So that just took up a massive part of our year, as, as it rightly should. We are now looking forward to having a 2023 without any planning of that nature going on. While I'm mentioning this, if there's anything really interesting you think has happened, industry-wise or in your own life, drop it in the comments. I've got a little bit of time. Uh, I, I guess in terms of, of the more cyber-related things, probably the big thing for Have I Been Pwned this year was the API key revisions. Now, I've got to remind everyone of this as well because stuff's about to change. But in November, 
And this is something I want to do for a long time. But in, in November, we finally announced a change to the rate limit on Have I Been Pwned? Because it was always just this one rate limit where it was like, everybody gets 40 requests a minute because it was one request every one and a half seconds. And it is $3.50 to everyone and it's only payable by the month and you can buy a one-off key or you can buy a recurring key or whatever you want. And for the longest time, people have been saying, look, can I get a higher rate limit and can I pay annually? And you're making life very hard on us by only charging $3.50, which seems, I'll call it what it is, seems stupid. <laughs> but the thing that makes it stupid and I've been in this, in this metaphorical, or not metaphorical, they're, they're real, but I've been in this person's shoes so many times, is that when you're in a corporate environment, trying to get $3.50 back from your procurement people is a nightmare. So we, being Charlotte and I, the entire Have I Been Pwned team, uh, came up with new rate limits, new pricing, and annuals as well. And I expected some people to be upset, like I expected because you've effectively cut the rate limit for the $3.50 key from 40 requests a minute to 10. And that's going to happen one week from today, 6th of January. As are some people will be upset because, you you know, you are taking something away that they had before. Now, I, I did all the maths and I was pretty convinced that, that that was only going to affect a very small number of people. But, you know, is what it is. But no one got upset. As soon as I say this, I'm sure someone will. Or someone might in a week from now when the actual change hits. So, so far, no one got upset. Everyone's been really happy, actually. They're like, cool, so now I can actually go and just pay for a year in advance and you only got to pay for 10 months and you get a year. Uh, I can just do like one submission to procurement and we can get higher rate limits and things like that. And it's gone awesome. It's gone so well. One or two very, very minor glitches, like there was one today. Uh, we, and of course, we actually have a ticketing system now on Zendesk. One today where someone said, look, I upgraded from 10 requests a minute to 50 requests a minute and it's not worked. And I was all ready to sort of go, ah, well, you've probably got another process somewhere that's making too many requests, you're getting right. No, uh, it's my fault. Not entirely sure why yet. Went through in Stripe fine. Learned a lot about Stripe this year, tell you what. Went through in Stripe fine, but for some reason, the product that they have in Azure API Management didn't get upgraded from 10 requests a minute to, to 50. Um, I've got an idea of what it might be. I've got to get back into the code. So that's been good. That'll... Uh, That'll impact any accounts that are still on that sort of old legacy model one week from today. So Friday next week, uh, if you're making more than 10 requests a minute when you used to be able to make 40, you're going to get, what is it, 428, 429? Ah, the too many requests one. I'll look it up. It's in the code. <laughs> so, so that'll kick in. One of the things I've learned, this is the first time I've spoken about this, is we, we had, had an incident I want to say about six weeks ago, when was it, end of November, where we started getting a lot of fraudulent charges in the Stripe. Now, I think there was a reply all about, it was like about a, remember the reply all podcast? I don't even think they're still going. But it was like a pizza shop where people just kept ordering like a drink. It was a really small amount. And I think the conclusion from it was it was like someone testing card numbers. Anyway, something to the effect was going on with Have I Been Pwned. We're getting a lot of, a lot of like $3.50 one-off charges, all from France, <laughs> believe it or not. And it was clearly fraudulent. And it, it sort of popped up because it, it, it triggered another odd edge case. And then, uh, then we started delving into it and, and finding out what the problem was. Anyway, so we ended up going through and turning on radar for Stripe. So I've learned a lot about radar <laughs> lately as well. And radar is, is like their fraud detection engine. 
and it's very, very cool. It's got so many different attributes that go into looking at a transaction. Everything from, have we seen this IP address making purchases? Has this email address made other purchases? Which gives you some, some sort of sense of like history. Uh, stuff like, how far is the IP address from the billing address? Interesting metric, isn't it? Because if it's like other side of the world, kind of sus. If it's hundreds of kilometers away, well, you know IP addresses are a little bit bit flaky, you know. So you can go through and actually start creating rules based on these things. We've managed to eradicate all of the, the fraud stuff, uh, touch wood, <laughs> from what we've seen. But anyway, that was one of our learning experiences this year. So they have a been pwned API key stuff. Uh, gone fantastic, seem to be on top of the fraud things now. Let's see what happens in a week when it rolls over. I'm kind of curious about that. Look at the comments here before I go on with other things. Ben says, careful with ChatGPT with pen testing. To mess around, I asked it how to pen test WordPress. It gave a nice plan. Then I asked, how do I brute force WordPress users with XML RPC and got warning? Okay, because warning's okay. Fritz says, water, no coffee or local brew. <laughs> yes, I am actually drinking water. So it's almost 6 p.m. here, so coffee is out. Uh, I have also just had a month of holidays and I'm having a break from the beer because a, a month of holidays does um, does involve some enjoyment of some beverages. And I came home, and, and this this does happen after a long trip. And I was about I was, I was like three and a bit kilo heavier, which which like isn't much in the scheme of things. But I've got some of these Wything scales. I've been using these for like a decade, and I regularly watch my weight, and I, and I know exactly when I've overdone it a bit. So I've been having a lot of salmon and brown rice and <laughs> no alcohol. And I get back to level really, really quickly. And I, I regret nothing because I had a lot of good fun. And tomorrow's New Year's Eve, so I'll make up for it then. But yeah, yeah, you're right, mate. It's, it's on the water at the moment. George says, if you haven't had a chat GPT account banned yet, <laughs> then you're not pushing it hard enough. Okay, fair point. Uh what else is in here? Ben says, it's super fun to get ChatGPT to generate Java code for GPT-3. Um, so I've seen a lot of commentary about um, about people generating code and some commentary about it creating less secure code than humans. And I think the commentary I heard, it might have even been on Risky Business, and they're like, hey, like this is a massive surprise kind of thing. And I thought, well, humans create some pretty crap code. So I am a bit surprised by that because you kind of think that the machine trained well enough could do it better than the humans. Fritz says, the new rate only impacts me during a restart of Home Assistant. Had to change the waiting time in the sensor code to stop getting error messages. Interestingly, interestingly, interesting that you mentioned Home Assistant and have I been pwned because as I was going through my logs today, one of the errors I constantly saw was for have I been pwned. So in case this is new to you, let's have a look at this. Home Assistant has a built-in integration for Have I Been Pwned? Now, you do have to put an API key in here. So you have to get the key. Uh, I think it's a really cool thing, obviously. But apparently, it's being used by like 13 active installations. So it's really not being used very much at all, um, which I find... Yeah, it's a bit sad. I'd like to see it used a lot more. But it's kind of cool. It's there. I don't know why it was erroring out, and I, I don't think it is because... 
Is it 429 or 428? No, it's 429, isn't it? ACP 429, too many requests. I don't think it's because of 429 responses, but I couldn't fix it. And I ended up commenting it out. Like I went through and I regenerated my key and I put it back in and I, I don't know what's going on. Uh, and then I even did a search for it and there was a report that someone had from earlier on in the year about problems. In my range of problems and glitches and things I'm trying to fix at the moment, it's like I... I'll comment this one out for now. But anyway, good point, actually. Uh, if it was a 429 coming back, I'd really hope Home Assistant would actually put that in the log somewhere. That, that seems like it's, it's relevant information because people could be using the key for other things as well. Joel says, I was in a lot of breaches this year. Some of them I wished I wasn't in. Were there any that you did wish you were in? You never get a breach and go, oh, that seems fine. Ted says, anyway, I can load my 2,000 masked emails to monitor and have I been pwned? No. <laughs> That's why there's anti-automation, because people will do that kind of thing. Oh, look, I would argue, I was going to say I would argue it's probably less important anyway if they're masked, and, and I do agree with myself. It is less important or it's less impactful if you're in a data breach with masked emails insofar as that's not going to tie you together with other data breaches, it's not going to subject you to credential stuffing. But, of course, you might have other PIIs associated with that master email address. Um, so, so, Ted, there's a uh, the number one outstanding request on the Have I Been Pwned user voice at the moment is to support sub-aliasing. So if, if you have, like, you know, Ted plus Dropbox at gmail.com and then you've got Ted plus LinkedIn at gmail.com to be able to just subscribe Ted at gmail.com and then if any sub-address of that appears in a breach, you would get notified. So you just sort of register once. Now, I, I don't think this is what you're talking about with the master email address. If it's like, if you're using the Fastmail integration with one password to have master email addresses, it's not going to work with that. But I mention it because every time I look at this, it's like 0.03% or something of email addresses are using sub-addressing. It's infinitesimally small. And it's really important to those people, but it is such a rare, rare, rare thing that I just cannot justify the effort, which is high, to support that. Not now. I do have some thoughts around how to do this in the future. James says, detox prep for New Year's. It's, it's not so much that I'm trying to prep so that they're not going to overdo it tomorrow night. And I, I think our plans for tomorrow night are, are, are a little bit social and then, and then pretty, pretty quiet which we're both quite okay with. But uh, no, it's, it's, not, it's not to then try. It's not like, it's almost like, you know, when people say, oh, I've been good, I'm really looking after myself, now I'm going to go and eat donuts. It's like, that's, that's not the point. That's not the way it's, like, just, just do the good bits. That's the plan. So we'll, we'll, have a, we'll have a few champagnes tomorrow, maybe. Mayor says, from the take a point of view, how can one leverage the weakness of websites to pull money <laughs> to account without getting caught safely. No crypto. Let me know if it's not clear. Uh, ask ChatGPT. <laughs> not sure if that was a real question or not. Real answer, though. Joel says, not looking forward to having a look at all the lovely beers I received for Christmas for the three months of detox my wife has planned after New Year's. All in moderation. Fritz says, there's a separate bug which has not been fixed yet. I'm running it now as a custom component. I can send it to you. Uh, if you can find someone to fix it, because <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, Have I Been Pwned as the API works fine. So there's obviously an integration problem there somewhere. 
James's Fastmile did say they would check out Watchtower use with masked email addresses. I haven't checked back with them though. Now that would actually be a good idea because Watchtower is one password's tool to identify things like breached accounts. Now, one password does integrate with Have I Been Pwned. They do check email addresses using K-anonymity, so they're using one of the enterprise models there. So they could take the Fastmail email addresses and then they're effectively anonymous anyway because they're masked, but then they can throw them against the K-anonymity model, hit Have I Been Pwned, then tell if they're in there. So if you're using Fastmail with one password, certainly that's technically feasible, just off the top of my head. Ben says, serious question, building a database kind of like yours, processing the data takes resources. Am I allowed to upload the raw data to cloud to process and split user form past data feels illegal? If the question is around the legality, I shall use the term that KPMG applied over and over again when I went through that, thankfully, failed merger and acquisition process. <laughs> Their term was, we invite parties to draw their own conclusions on the legality of the data. So, draw your own conclusions. Good luck. Christian, Ted, use your own domain for master emails. Other domain admin, you can get breach notifications for all email addresses. Uh, Christian, I agree with your response up until a point, and that the point is that if you are very privacy-centric and you have your own domain, but then different aliases, it does kind of tie everything together because it's your domain. If you're using... Fastmail-generated master emails, then you're in there with the gazoo and other people using the same service, so you do get a greater degree of anonymity. So I, I do get what you mean. Okay, uh, the last the last thing here in review, and I'm, I'm always putting this at the end now because some people are genuinely upset that I'm talking about this uh, to the point where they're like, I want to stop following you. So I'm going to talk about it anyway. I've got enough followers. And it's the Twitter thing. So... I think one of the things that was obviously massive, massive news this year, maybe more so for me than other people, because Twitter has been a, a massive, a massive part of of my professional career. Uh, so much of what I've done has been communicated through Twitter over the course of the last decade and a half. So much of the new things goes through Twitter. I rely on that massively. Uh, sponsors pay me in part because I have a social media following, which is predominantly Twitter. And I think that that has been one of the really interesting things that has defined certainly the last few months. Now, I think uh, obviously some of it has been pretty crappy. Of all the crappy things <laughs> with, the, with the Musk takeover of Twitter, of all the crappy things, I think the one that really was like, you know, there is a spectrum. Let's all agree that there is a spectrum. Let's go from really good to really bad. And a bunch of stuff has been more towards the middle of the bad side. The one that really got me the most was when he pushed out that policy, which was rolled back. I remember actually we were in Oslo, not in Oslo, we were up in the mountains. And Scott Helm said to me just before he went to bed, he's like, uh, you got to see this policy. They've just said you can no longer link to the social media policies. And was, oh, let's call it 10 o'clock at night or something. I was like, this is freaking ridiculous. Ah, I'll look at it tomorrow. And I get up and say, ah, oh, it's rolled back already because it was freaking ridiculous. On the other hand, there's some stuff I like. Now, people get very upset if I like anything at all that Elon's done. But I like the view count on tweets. I really like the view count on tweets. And funnily enough, I am now seeing other people like the view counts on tweets for the exact same reasons I gave that people then got upset about, which is largely I would like to have a sense of how much exposure other people's tweets get. Because that 
that is a relevant messaging. Now that where I saw this most recently, and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because it is it is popcorn eating material. Uh, there was a Twitter debate between Greta Thunberg and Andrew Tate. Now it'd be reasonable to say that these two people are on absolute opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, if you do not know who who they are, you might know Greta, might not know Andrew. You, you're probably living life quite happily by not knowing who Andrew Tate is. But go and have a look at this. Uh, it's it's breaking news for, for two main reasons. And one is that he just, he has some very nice cars that I'm very jealous of, but he made a real point of just trying to be an absolute dickhead to a, a teenage climate activist about how much fuel his cars uh, consumed. So anyway, there was that, and then she retweeted that, and then she made a derogatory childish comment back to him. And the thing that brings it back to the Twitter discussion is that people were looking at the view counts, looking at the view counts and comparing it, which one got the most exposure, you know, what was the most impactful, does this give you a sense of who's got the most influence? And that I thought was interesting, because that was kind of my point before. Now, today, it's since turned out that he appears to have been arrested in Romania, something to do with sex trafficking and other stuff that that apparently he was doxxed because when he was having the argument with Greta, he had a pizza box there that had the name of the Romanian pizza place. Uh, and then he said, no, someone swatted him and it's not quite clear. And it's just like, how bizarre has life gotten now? I kind of want to believe that he did get doxxed by a pizza box after being an absolute idiot on Twitter to her. And then by, ah, oh geez, there's actually important stuff going on in the world. So I think the Twitter whole thing was was interesting. Well, Sarah, go, I want, of course I want Twitter to be successful and to survive, but I want it to be a nice place that people enjoy being in as well. And that appears to be a lot of the problem at the moment. We'll see. 2023 will be interesting. Last comments before I tune out at the moment. Andrew Tate. Christian says, Andrew Tate apparently got arrested today. Yes, they, yep, that was the, the story I was just give, giving out. Uh, Bezos says, he wasn't arrested for sex trafficking. It was for money laundering, according to Rap TV. I, I, like, I guess money laundering is better than sex trafficking. I, I don't know. It's like if you had to be arrested for which one, what do you want to be known as? Um, how did we get here? On more important notes. I hope everyone has a wonderful New Year's Eve. Uh, it is uh, just after 6 p.m. here on the 30th, so we've got a, about a day before our celebrations here kick off. Uh, it's it's going to be nice here, being home, enjoying that. I'm going to come back to you in a week from now. By then, we would have figured out whether it was sex trafficking or money laundering and other completely, completely, I was going to say irrational, non-impactful, things that really don't impact our lives very much in terms of what someone who you're probably all better off not knowing the name of has, uh, has been arrested for on the other side of the world. Uh, all right, I'm digging myself into a hole. Uh, good night, everyone. Go and enjoy your New Year's Eve, and we'll catch you next year. See you, folks.